Well, welcome in, everybody, to another podcast of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and I'm excited that the leaders in the Remnant have plugged in once again to this podcast, and I hope many other podcasts, that you've got voices speaking into you from all walks of life, equipping you and reminding you that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And man, 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 what a time it is right now. Now, of course, you could be listening to this podcast anytime in the future. It could be even years in the future. But the reality is, while I'm taping this podcast at this time, it is the big show, baby. This is the time that the whole world has to acknowledge that Jesus Christ changed the whole world. And that is Passion Week, Holy Week, leading up to Easter Resurrection Sunday weekend, of course, Good Friday, and then Easter weekend, what we call Resurrection Sunday, uh, is just an incredible, incredible time. Uh, people come to churches and come to church on, on that morning uh, in greater numbers than any other service of the year. Uh, it is in America and around the world the Sunday that we remember that Jesus was not just a great prophet. He was not just a great teacher. He was and is the son of God. He lived and he is still alive today. Love what the angel said when they came to the empty tomb and they were discovered that the stone had been rolled away. They run in, they start looking around trying to find the body of Jesus and it's gone. The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now I'm not going to talk to you today about the story of the resurrection, because I believe if you're a leader and you're part of the remnant and you're listening to this podcast, then you are extremely familiar with the story, uh, the true story, not just a story. This was a historical event that shook and changed the world. Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And he is alive today, sitting at the right hand of God, the father forever interceding for us, sent the power of the Holy spirit. And we, as the church have been commissioned by the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, but the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them and disciple them. But I do want to talk to you about something very powerful about that moment and that time when Jesus came back from the dead. Now, on the third day, he began, He reveals himself first to Mary. He tells Mary to go into Jerusalem and tell them that he's coming, tell his disciples that he's coming to his disciples. And he's going to see them pretty soon. But it's something very, very interesting uh, that is said at that time when, when, she's, when Mary passes Jesus out in the courtyard of the temple, I mean, excuse me, of the tomb where Jesus had just uh, been laid three days earlier. He, something about him is so dramatically different that he is able to walk right past a woman whose whole life was changed by Jesus. I mean, she certainly knew what he looked like. She certainly knew everything about Jesus. Jesus had changed her life in a way that no human being, they, she thought, could ever change her life. And, but he passes by her, and the Bible says something very interesting. It says that, that he, he is mistaken in her eyes as possibly the gardener or the keeper of the grounds and, you know, I've heard people say it's because she was crying so uncontrollably. She could barely see. She had her head down. She didn't notice. 
Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know exactly why because it didn't tell us exactly why. All I know is the Bible says she walks right past the son of the living God in resurrected form, y'all. I mean, she last time she saw him, he was taking off the cross, wrapped in grave clothes. She probably helped clean his body and place him in a borrowed tomb, watched the stone rolled and sealed, and that was it. She, the last image she had of him was just completely beaten beyond recognition. And here comes this man walking right past him that she knew very well, and he passed right by her. For some reason, she did not recognize him. Now, we know that she had to have looked up at him because the Bible says that she mistake, mistook, uh, excuse me, she mistake, was able to mistake him, I'm trying to get my words out here, uh, as the caretaker of the lamb. And as she goes by, he says her one word. He says, Mary. And when he says, Mary, she stops cold in her tracks, turns around, and immediately, my God, she knew his voice. She heard his voice when he said, Lazarus, come forth. She heard his voice when, when he spoke directly to her about the things of her life and how her life was going to be forever changed. She knew that voice. She takes off running towards Jesus, and Jesus says something very profound. He says, stop, 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 stop. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. This is in your Bible. He says, touch I'm going to quote it from King James. That's how I learned it. Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go into Jerusalem and tell my disciples that I go into my father, and I will come into them. So he tells her, don't touch me. I've heard people say, well, that's because it was a woman and all this and blah, blah, blah. That's so ridiculous. The reality is this, is if Jesus did not want a woman to carry the gospel and proclaimed the gospel, he would not have shown himself first to a woman and then told the woman to run and find the disciple men who were hiding to tell them the good news. That's what gospel means. He's alive. I just saw him. She had to be the one that carried the gospel. That's pretty powerful. So the first, the first proclaimer of the gospel, y'all, of the New Testament was a woman. But here's what's so interesting is the book of Hebrews says that, that Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, takes away the sins of the world. It talks about it in the book of Hebrews, and it says, if the blood of the bulls and goats had been enough, there would be no need for a new covenant. But Jesus entered into heaven once with his own blood. Okay? So, it is of my belief, gospel according to Larry here, this is just my interpretation of Scripture, that more than likely Mary did not recognize him because she had known him to, to dress like a Galilean. She had known him to dress like a Nazarite from the villages that he was a part of, a common man. But at that point, because he had paid the price, a new covenant had begun, and there still needed to be blood taken to the altar of heaven, he was probably dressed in all white linen. He was probably dressed as the high priest because the Bible said he is our priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He probably was dressed as a priest going to heaven. One of the reasons I believe that is because Levitical law said that when the priest went in with the blood once a year at Passover, that not even his own wife could touch her, touch him because if she touched him, then he would be declared to be defiled or defamed. And he would not be worthy to go into the Holy of Holies. Well, it wasn't that he just didn't want Mary touching him. I believe no one could touch him because he was on his way 
to heaven with his pure blood to place upon the altar of heaven. Now, I know I'm going to get probably a lot of pushback on this. People are thinking I'm some kind of crazy idiot preaching this. But the Bible clearly says in the book of Hebrews that he took, he entered into the holy place of heaven once for all mankind, never having to do it again with his own blood and purged our sins. Then all of a sudden we see a different Jesus. He, he walks through the walls where the disciples are and shows himself, starts telling them, come here and hug me, man. Come out, I missed you. I love y'all. It's really me. It's really me. He tells Thomas, hey, if you don't believe me, look, come touch the scars. Come touch the, the, the opening in, the, in my rib cage. So it's so powerful we see that happening. And, and so that's the first thing he does. He shows himself in the garden to Mary, tells Mary to proclaim the gospel. This is all a part of the resurrection weekend because by the time many of you are going to listen to this podcast, Resurrection Sunday has come and gone. And so, so my question is on this podcast, what happens now? What happened after the resurrection? What you know, that was enough to change the world. But what did Jesus do after the resurrection? He made sure everybody knew he was alive. He, he let Mary know he was alive. And then on Mary's way, I believe he entered into heaven. I believe there were two ascensions. I believe he ascended later on on the Mount of Olives, but I also believe he ascended right then, could not be touched by human flesh, took his own blood, entered heaven, I believe that blood is fresh today. I believe that that's, that's the because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's not changed. So, you know, down here on the earth, blood decays. It dries up. But in heaven, there is no sin. So I believe that every single time we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, the blood is applied. For there is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, is what Hebrews also says. So, that blood is fresh. It's as fresh as the day that Jesus placed it there. It's fresh as the day that Jesus shed it on that cross. And it's still applicable and still as powerful to us today as it was over 2,000 years ago. But then he goes in and he shows himself to his disciples. And he says, guys, listen, we can't stay up here. we got work to do. I know this is a shock, but I told you this was going to happen. I told you you'd destroy this temple in three days. I'll build it back again. But I know you didn't get it. But you're getting it now, ain't you? Come on, let's go. So he goes, starts doing some things with disciples. Then, of course, he leaves his disciples. Disciples, it's a crazy thing, y'all, when y'all start reading it. He, the Bible says he shows himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days. For 40 days, he walks around in a resurrected, glorified body. Can you imagine? All of Jerusalem knew he had been crucified. Many, if not most of the people in Jerusalem, witnessed him carrying his cross up Golgotha Hill, Mount uh, 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 the Via Della Rosa is what we call it now, the, the road to Golgotha. They watched him. They saw him. Even the thousands that might have been watching uh, from the base of the mountain around the, around the mountain where he was crucified between the two thieves, all the others that were at the base of the mountain, they saw it happen. They saw the sky turn black when he said it is finished. They saw, they felt the earth shake beneath them. My God, is it, for 40 days, it had only been three days at this point, but then for another 40 days, he's walking around, and they're still talking about the, the events of his death. They're still talking about how the veil that had separated man uh, from, from the glory of God that it existed for, for generations after generations after generations from the days of Moses, was ripped in two from top to bottom like a piece of paper. 
My God, that had just happened. And here he is walking around in glorified form. Would you not think that everybody would just fall on their face and receive Jesus Christ? You would think that, but they didn't. That's how, that's how deep the, the nature of sin is in man. You can stand before the resurrected Savior of the world that you witnessed and saw die. And in now he's alive and still not accept him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the same spirit, the same spirit of Antichrist that was, that's here today has always existed. There's always been man's desire to, to not accept Jesus Christ to be who he, he says he is. Because the moment you accept him for who he really is, ladies and gentlemen, you have to live for him. You have to make decisions. So this is a leadership podcast. And if you hadn't checked out yet, you're wondering where does the leadership principles come? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm already talking about them. Jesus was the ultimate leader. Can I tell you, we got to lead like Jesus. He was the ultimate leader. My God, would it not have been enough? Would it not have been a powerful story to believe in, to surrender your life to, if he'd have lived his whole entire life exactly like the Bible said, died on the cross, came back from the dead, and then walked out of that tomb on the third day, showed everybody that he was alive and then just ascended to heaven? But he didn't do that. Remember, the greatest thing he ever did was die on the cross. The second greatest thing he ever did was take his vision and pour it into 12 men. But then, in addition to that, if you want to say um, sub-second great, uh, second greatest thing he ever did, like a little uh, bullet list, and you got that little bullet that indents underneath that bullet point, would, would be those 40 days. He took 40 days. He walked down. He walked with strangers, revealed himself to people over and over again. He poured into his disciples. He ends up at the very end sitting around the campfire eating some fish with his fellow disciples. And here's Peter, the, the man that had uh, denied him just a few weeks earlier, cursed that he denied him. And the Bible tells us that when he cursed him, and denied him on that third time, right before the rooster crowed, he made eye contact with, with Jesus as he's being taken into Pilate. My God. Can you imagine the shame? He wept bitterly. By this time, Judas had already hung himself. I mean, there was chaos, there was fear. But Jesus was not going to leave them in that situation. Jesus was not going to leave them. He wasn't just going to show up and say, hey, guys. I, I did it. I did it. I did it. I'm back from the dead. Now, listen, y'all need to deal with all this that I, that I left behind, and I'll come back and get y'all one day in the future. See y'all. See ya. No. He said, man, I'm not going to leave you in this state of fear because I can't leave you in this state of fear. Now, I'm, I'm sure some people are going to think that what I'm about to say is very controversial. Some might even think it's sacrilegious. But hear me out. Jesus knew the power of leadership. Jesus knew the power of influence and catching the vision and running with the vision because he knew all the things that he had done, all the great, amazing things that he had done that had never been done before. No one had ever predicted their own death, burial, and resurrection, and here he stands raised from the dead. He understood that if he did all of that and disappeared into heaven, that his vision, his purpose for reinstating the relationship between man and God that had been lost in the garden when he would walk with him in the cool of the day would not be restored. It might have, it might have gone for a few years, 
but it would have waned off because there would have been people that would have had children. Those children, they would have died off. Their children would have got older. And eventually at some point, it would have just been a story that Grandpa used to tell about some guy named Jesus. But no, 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 no. Jesus made sure that they got it. Jesus made sure that his DNA of greatness, his DNA of the commission, his DNA of the purpose of why he really came had got inside them. He's sitting there with Peter, who had just denied him a few weeks earlier. He said, Peter, I'm going to ask you a question. He's just eating fish. Can you imagine Jesus sitting there just pulling some fish off, eating it and chewing it and you know, cleaning his teeth out and all this, trying to be like the rest of the guys, you know, in glorified form, y'all. I'm talking about in glorified, resurrected, glorified form. Got the nails through his hands and uh, print, imprints in his feet. He's just hanging out there eating fish. He said, Peter, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. Okay, go, Lord, go ahead. Do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Do you? Okay, okay. Peter, I, I'm going to ask you another question. Do, do you love me? Uh, Yeah. I love you. Just said I did. Well, then feed my lambs. Okay, Peter, one more question. Uh, feed, uh, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. What's going on here? Well, then feed my sheep. Um, it's very, very important. Peter got it. Peter finally got it. He finally got it. He finally realized Jesus didn't come down here just to hang out with me. Jesus didn't come. I'm not, I'm not chosen. I'm not elite. I'm not the reason alone that he came. He loved me. He died for me, but he didn't just die for me. He didn't just come back from the dead for me. He needs me to get it. He needs me to understand that if I don't feed the sheep, if I don't feed the lambs, if I don't stand up and proclaim and teach the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that, this message, it will not survive. It will not accomplish what he came to accomplish. Jesus came to die. I know he was born to die, but he was he came for more than just being born to die. Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday is more is about more than just the crucifixion. It's about more than just the resurrection. It's about the things that had to take place so that the ultimate reason that he came could be accomplished. The reconciliation and the restoration of the relationship that man has with his creator. Jesus was the mediator of that. Jesus came and became flesh and shed his blood for us. And then he said, listen, I've done it all. I don't need to do anything else. I got one more thing I'm going to do for you that's going to help you carry this out. But for your forgiveness, for your restoration, for your redemption, I've done it. I, I, I was a sinless lamb. I knew no sin, and I became sin. On that cross, I took on your sin. I said it is finished. That part is finished. What I came to do, get this, what I came to do is finished. But, listen, this is a big one. But what I came to empower you to do is not finished. My part is finished. I've got one more thing, one more person that I need to introduce you to. And you will be able to finish my plan because my plan includes you. My plan includes you leaders. Jesus's plan includes us. It's not a cliche. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. We are the voice of Christ. 
Romans, Paul wrote the letter to the Romans and he said, how can anyone ever believe in anything they've never heard of? You can't believe in something you've never heard of because you don't know what you don't know. But when you hear something, you have the opportunity to choose to believe in it. He said, chapter 10, book of Romans, how will they ever believe in what they haven't heard and how can they ever hear without a preacher? And how can the preacher preach lest he be sent? Can I tell you something? That was the plan of God all along. It wasn't just to give us an opportunity to go to heaven. It was to equip us, to teach us, to carry on the vision. That's why it says in Mark 16, lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name, cast out devils. When Jesus was here, he cast out devils. When Jesus was here, he laid his hands on the sick and they recovered. But then when his body lifted up and disappeared into the heavens, right before that, he said, tarry in Jerusalem till you shall receive the promise of the Father. And that's exactly what happened, the promise of the Father. He said, you shall be endued with power. You shall receive power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And then he says, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, listen, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. This was the culmination of three and a half years of teaching. This was the culmination of generation after generation prophesying of this moment. This was the culmination of 40 days of post-resurrection preparation for this moment. This was the moment of the power that was needed for the establishment of what would be known as the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church was about to be birthed. Resurrection was more than just Jesus coming back from the dead. It was the big moment that launched the final phase of the plan. And that was the power, the power to establish the church. Are you hearing me? It's so powerful when you think about it. I love what Paul said. Paul said in another place in, in Scripture, he said, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but the demonstration, but in the demonstration of the power of God. Another, another time Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. My God, that's incredible. The Bible tells us that in that upper room, listen to me, all 12 of the disciples were there. Of course, Judas was not one of those 12 at the time of Acts chapter 2. He had already hung himself. He had been replaced by Matthias. So all 12 were there. And the Bible tells us that there were 500 men plus women and children that had heard the command. Actually, it was probably even thousands that heard the command, but it had whittled down to 120. 120 was left. Can you imagine that 121st person? That 121st person, because the Holy Spirit didn't come until they got in one mind and one accord. That one dude, that one lady, whoever he or she was, was still bucking still bucking the system, still trying to say, I don't know if I believe this, I don't know. And it was holding back, holding back. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. 
You don't want to be known as that guy. We don't know who he is. I'm not judging him. I hope he, I hope he got his life right with God. But the reality is this. Man, can you imagine that guy? He literally gets down at the bottom of the steps, and all of a sudden, he looks up, and the whole place is on fire. And he goes, my God, I missed it. Because he didn't want to get in unity. He didn't want to position himself to be what God wanted them to be. And that, my friend, is the power of the resurrection. That began the plan of God. He said it is finished on the cross. But he never said it was finished in the book of Acts. Can I tell you something, leaders? The book of Acts is called the book of Acts because it's the the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church. Go back and read it again. It's a history book. Shows us what the church is supposed to look like. When you get to that last word of the book of Acts, tell yourself, I am the next chapter. The book is still being written. We are God's plan. We are God's will. You want to know God's will? Look in the mirror. You are God's will. God has empowered you. He's impacted you. And he's called you for this moment. I'll see you next time on the Remnant Leadership Podcast.